Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. Another episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Edwards, and with me, of course, the loyalty ability to my 6-6 soldier token, Mr. Robert Lundgren. How you doing? I'm doing, yeah. Awesome podcast, <laughs> we were both talking about how we've just been having one of those weeks. Yeah, it has been, man. No joke. It yeah. Like, nothing nothing bad. Nothing hard. I mean, I'm sick children, but nothing hard. Just, just a lot of nuisances. It comes in waves. It comes away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've had the tide in this week. I've had the tide in. Well, it's time for that tide to go on out. We're going to start it with some smiles tonight. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm putting on sexy radio voice. That's how you know it's getting real. <laughs> Ooh. 9.52 Ooh. here on FMD, KFMD, KFMD. That works. There you go. All right. 9.52 <laughs> here on KMFD. K- I, I, I can't <laughs> I'm not a good radio person. <laughs> News and traffic at the top of the hour. Anyway. <laughs> all right. Well, let's go ahead and get started. First of all, as always, a big thank you to our patrons over at Patreon. You guys are helping us keep these lights on in a dim, slightly moody manner. Is, is the lighting noir? Is there, is there yes. mist coming dark, in and stuff? Dark shadows and, and very, very pronounced light beams. Yeah, nice. The kids did watch uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse again, and I couldn't help myself. I totally sat there and watched it. <laughs> that movie's just so darn good. <laughs> well, before we get started with the positive podcast, it's time for us to make a positive statement that I think is a long time coming. Yeah, let's do this. So recently there's been a lot of talk out there uh, on the internet, in the community, about a couple of very prominent incidents that happened uh, in regards to diversity. So we wanted to come right out and say it. Uh, We are all about diversity here. And if that's not your game, that's fine. That's your business. But uh, that is our game. And we're not going to tolerate any any nonsense around that. And if, uh, you know, that's not your game, then we're going to invite you on out. But if that is your game and you're cool with diversity of all sorts and sizes, then uh, we would love to continue having you with us here on the podcast because we are uh, we are all about it. Uh, We support everybody in every way, shape and form. And uh, we're not going to tolerate anything that 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 works against it. So we're not going to cover news that uh, is produced by those folks to not give them any attention we're not going to mm-hmm. support any of their games. We're not going to talk about it. And we're just going to leave it at that. We're not going to call anybody out. That's not our business. We want to stay the positive podcast. But to do that, we do really want to put our foot down and say, hey, this is something we believe in and something we stand in. And it's uh, something we are going to hold true to. I mean, let's not put too fine a point on it, Jonathan. You and I, you know, we come from uh, families of uh, mixed ethnic backgrounds and whatnot. And, uh, you know, we notice that kind of stuff. We have friends and family members of, of all sorts of persuasions. I can't think of a topic that's not personal to me in some way. Yeah. In, in my e- immediate circles. E- either can I. To come to think of it. So there you go. Let's just leave it at this. We love you just the way you are. Uh, we want to have you part of the family no matter what your proclivities are. None of that matters to us. So, um, yeah, uh, we, we hope you feel the same and stay with us here on the podcast. Tolerance does not mean we have to tolerate intolerance, people. 
And that's where I'm going to leave it. And with that, Jonathan, <laughs> I don't know how to segue into this. Well, um, as as always, it is a day, Robert. And what is today, my friend? Today, Jonathan, happy National Bubble Tea Day. Not 100% sure what that means. <laughs> clue, clue me in. I don't know what bubble tea is. What is bubble tea? You don't know what bubble tea is? I'm, I'm, I'm having one right now. Bubbles. So Gene and I have had our week. And when we found out today was National Bubble Tea Day, we went out and got the ingredients to make bubble tea at home. We didn't go to like a, a bubble tea vendor. We, we did it. And I'm, I'm having my bubble tea right now. I still don't know mm. what bubble tea is. Hold on. Let me chew my tapioca balls so I can tell you. Is bubble tea kind of like fermented or something? Is that where the bubbles come from? No. Mm-mm. No, bubbles refer to tapioca pearls or tapioca whatever. Ooh. They're the things that look like, uh, uh, as someone so eloquently and, and nicely put it, they're the things that look like rabbit poo that you see people drinking in, uh, in tea-based drinks. I don't think I've ever heard of the term that uh, used that way, but hey. Yeah, that, 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 that is the original gangster term. It, it is bubble tea. Developed in the 1980s, the Taiwanese developed a beverage containing refreshing goodness of tea and the wholesome creaminess of milk and the fun, delicious surprise of bubbles. Bubbles, also known as boba or pearls, are made from tapioca. Like the fet? The t- no, not boba, the fet. Oh, okay. Although, you know what? You know what? Hold on. Hold you on. said boba. That's where my head goes. Mm. Boba tea. The official tea of boba fet. Yeah, mm. I'm eating the boba right now and I'm pretending it's boba fet's head. Mmm, Boba Fett heads. I had not known about this until I started uh, dating an, uh, a Korean lady. It opened my eyes, my friend, to a whole new world of delicious, delicious drinks where you get a little snack at the end. When it's you said times. dating a Korean lady, like the first thing that popped into my mind was that old joke. Does your wife know about it? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm talking about my wife, but this, you, explain the joke doesn't make it funny, Jonathan. Anyway, yes, happy National Bubble Tea Day, my friend. Go out and have a bubble tea. Use the hashtag National Bubble Tea Day and all that. <laughs> this day was created by uh, the uh, the national international company known as Kung Fu Tea, which I have an outlet of in my in Portland up here. Oh, we're about to get one here. Uh, their, their first store opened today on National Bubble Tea Day, and so that's why they they coined it as a you know as a celebration of all bubble tea, but probably especially theirs. I like it. I like it. Where's Austin's Kung Fu Tea going to get put in? Uh, gosh, I can't remember now. Like, I just remember seeing a sign that said Kung Fu Tea and me wondering what the heck that was. It's a bubble tea place. Well, yeah, I, I, well, I realize that now having conversed with you on this. <laughs> now, now that we've had that chat, I'm hip to the bubble tea. <laughs> You're hip to the bubble tea. Perhaps on 903 East Whitestone Boulevard, Suite C in Cedar Park, Texas. Yeah, but where is that? Like, which mall is that? There's apparently one oh, over that's right. by it's going the where Costco. The, uh, uh, Verts. You know what Verts is? Oh, Verts left. Yeah, Verts died. Oh, I liked Verts. I liked Verts too. That was that. That was that. Uh, the the German kebab place. Yeah, not kebab. No, ke- ke- yeah. kebab. Donner kebab. kebab. Yeah, sounds like a pop song. If you're not familiar, a kebab is kind of like uh, it's kind of like a pita and um, like a pita and a hero had a baby. You know what's sad, Jonathan? Uh, I ran into you and your family there right before I, I, I got the bright idea to ask you to do this podcast thing with me. I remember that. Where? At, at Verts? We did, didn't we? Yeah. That's right. I totally remember that. Yeah, that was right there, man. 
Well, that's nuts. That is kind of sad. <laughs> and now you're... I just like, why are you chumbling balls? Now you're... Or- <laughs> wow, are you choking on <laughs> God! PG-13! <laughs> it was at that moment that Robert started choking on, <laughs> on his tea balls. <laughs> I, I can't do this anymore. I, I think I'm done. I think I'm done. I'm not done. <laughs> oh man, I got tapioca bits everywhere when I laughed and it came out of my mouth. Yeah, yeah. You just got balls everywhere, huh? <laughs> bits of balls. Alright, let's move off top of the shelf. <sighs> So let's go ahead and get started, of course, with our Off the Shelf. This is, of course, our segment where we talk about all the wonderful things that we've gotten off of our shelves and into our hearts. And Robert, that's not a ton for me because, yet again, I continue to be, you know, kid. Yeah, yeah. It appears we've, like, somehow we've we've shifted gears in our kiddom, so now we're, like, getting more free time, which is fun. I got a lot. What do you want to talk about? What do you want to go first? What do you want to do? Uh, I'm open. You don't want to, like, shake things up and start with video games like we always do? Nah. <laughs> I'm good. Let's shake things up and start it with uh, video games. <laughs> uh, no, let's, say, let's, let's shake things up and start it with TVs and movies. Because that's Ooh, really like the only oh thing that I've, I've genuinely had an opportunity to participate in. So uh, we're continuing to watch uh, Love, Death, and Robots. Robots. Are you enjoying it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I read a review that said it was very misogynistic because, you know, it used to be uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the heavy metal. It was like going to be a heavy metal show until it wasn't anymore. But I'm not completely seeing that. No, I'm not either. Look, I'm not going to say that there aren't there isn't a fair amount of nudity and, and the female form, but all of it kind of uh, it has a reason to be there, I guess you could say. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not without so. it, it's not senseless, you know. My my kid got interested in the show, so we like we found like the two episodes that are kid friendly in that entire show. Uh, Zima Blue and uh, you showed your kids the farmer one. Well, the older ones, yeah, the older ones, the older ones. And there was another one I showed my seven year old. I couldn't remember what it was. Because really, the only thing the farm the farm ones got going for it is exploding aliens and a couple curse words. Yeah, true that, true that. Um, but yeah, no, the Zima Blue episode's amazing. I haven't watched that one yet. I need to finish it. It was show. real good. Like, a lot of the other episodes are kind of, you know, action-y and sweary and adult. And you, you know what I mean? Like, like that's kind of their point. They're just kind of like, you know, sci-fi coolness, I guess. I don't know how else to describe it. Uh, Zima Blue was really different. Um, it's one of the few that's animated, like like cell shaded animation, or not cell shaded, but you get what I mean. You know, like cells, and it's not like three D. You know, and uh, yeah, and its subject matter is just about this, like you know, artist in the future. That's kind of the the gist of it. And uh, yeah, it was. It's just weird and good, and you know, kind of in a, in a funky, makes you think sort of way. I don't know. It was good times. I highly recommend that one. So go go watch it, Jonathan. I plan to. I fully, fully plan to. So I see here. I see here on the list you watched Aquaman. Oh. How was that? Positive podcast, Robert. Really? I heard it was good. I heard it was insane. It is insane. It okay, so let me let me rephrase that because there's there's nothing wrong with it. It it's it's this weird, sugar coated, hyper frantic movie. My issue with it is because we've just been treated to so many Marvel movies that are treated with so much. Uh, 
reverence, I guess you could say, and and they're they're measured and and thought provoking, emotional at times, you know, and they're mm-hmm. they're they're going to make a, a good movie. Aquaman is, it's a comic book movie on neon steroids. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm. That seems to be an improvement over most of the DCEU. Oh yeah, so it's not grimdark it at all, and it's got its genuinely funny moments. My my issues with it are not even necessarily with the um, with the content. It's just uh, I don't know. Like it, it's got this weird tonal thing going on. Like it it just doesn't seem to know what it wants to be, and it's weird and goofy. It's like totally weird and really really goofy. Are we talking like Guardians level goofy or worse? Oh, no, no, no. Nothing like Guardians. Like, yeah. how should I put this? I, I don't even know how to put it. That's the problem. Like, I don't know how to describe this movie to you. All right. All right. All right. Well, well, I, I got it on the list, so I'll see it eventually. It's we not can, we unentertaining, can try to have... but I can't call it a good movie. <laughs> does that make any sense to you at all? Yes. Yes, that does. Because that's the, the only way I can describe it. And I can't decide whether Jason Momoa is a good actor or not. Well, he's charismatic as hell, so... Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, like, I just want to hug him. Like, he's got that smile, he's got the whole charisma thing, like, he's like a Terry Crews, you know what I mean? Have you seen him shaved? Uh, no, is it creepy? Is it is it like those pictures of the bear that are going around, where they shave the bear and it's like the most terrifying creature ever? No, 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 like, yeah, he shaved for uh, uh, climate change awareness, and, uh... The best comment I see, I saw of it is Jason Momoa shaved looks like what Steven's old Steven Seagal would look like if he was young, <laughs> not young Steven Seagal. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. It, if you see it, it makes a weird amount of sense. What old Steven Seagal would look like young. Yeah, not not young. He doesn't look like young Steven Seagal. He looks like what old Steven Seagal would look like if he was young. I'm going to go ahead and call the Internet out on this. I would love to see everybody's commentary on this. So if you hear the show, please go on Facebook and tell me what you think of that comment, because I'm, I'm still struggling to wrap my head around it. Look, I'll, 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 I'll end it with this, Robert, because then we'll move on. It's not an unentertaining movie. It's not what we have been experiencing from comic book movies recently. There might be a a period of um, adjustment. All right, check your phone. All right, hold on. (laughs) I get it. I get it. Yes! (laughs) I mean, I still don't get it, but I get it, you know? Right? Right? Wow, that's something. Uh, hashtag <laughs> stuff I didn't know I needed in my life. <laughs> really, honestly, everybody needs to go seek this photo out. <laughs> in the show notes, Robert. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll do my best. <laughs> well, uh, spe- speaking of DC movies, I finally went and got saw Shazam my friend oh lucky i hear it's really charming this is why i would tell you jonathan to go see it you talk when you're describing movies and just about stuff in general you use the word heart a lot you know it's like oh it had heart i like it oh it didn't have any heart i don't know what you mean by that because i just have a cold dead stone in my chest i would describe shazam as having heart and that's why i think you would like it i think you should go see it this is the thing about it I've been I've been trying to not tell you all week. 
but yeah, yeah, that, that is exactly how I would describe that movie. The, uh, cause the, the setup is Billy is at a group home with a whole bunch of other, you know, orphans. Yeah. That I saw are, that in the you know, trailer. Fosters. Yeah. 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 That part, that part is super duper good. And, uh, I don't know if they did this on purpose, but if I find out they did, whoever put that movie together is a fudging genius because um, the villain of the piece, uh, Dr. Whatever, I don't even remember his name. In the comics, he's kind of like a Lex Luthor ripoff, except he has like a magic eye that he can see magic with or something. Uh, in the movie, he ends, he's like a wizard or something, and he ends up with like a lot of very similar powers to Shazam, whatever. Uh, the thing is, um, in the, the parts of the movie he's in feel like an old school DC movie. They're very dark. They're very dark. Like I brought Awen to see that movie, and I was like, damn, this is like kind of up against my line of, of, of seven year old dark. You know, because he like gets powers from demons and they show the demons and the demons are real gross and, you know, things and giant mouths and just and they they murder a bunch of people, you know, and then the Shazam part. And But the Shazam parts, the parts with Billy and all of that are this really, really sweet, just kind of weird family drama with a kid who can turn into a superhero randomly. And like this, you know, family coming together. It's just this really cute thing. And it's almost like like kind of the old grimdark DCEU is literally battling kind of like a new take on the DCEU in that movie. And that's like what the movie's about. It's about the two philosophies going at it. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, if I find out they did that on purpose, if they film the bad guy stuff like old DCEU on purpose, I will go out and say the guy's a genius. It's not entirely clear. That's what they set out to do just based on it. But it's like, that's almost the theme of the movie in a weird way. Cause like I said, the villain is real dark and the, the other stuff is super just charming and light and fun and bright, you know, like Shazam's costumes, ridiculous. And, <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's just a very cute movie. Is it perfect? No, but it's, it was really good. It's, it's, I, I would go, yeah, it's, it's the best DC movie I've seen. It's really good. And, and Awen loved it because, you know, I mean, little kids, the thought of saying a magic word and turning into a, you know, a, a grown ass adult with superpowers, like there's, there's something appealing to that for, for the little kids too. So yeah, I'd recommend it. I, I, you should go see it. I think you'd like it. Like the, the word that I, I, I would describe it using a word I hear you say a lot. <laughs> it has heart. It has heart. Well, I can get behind that. I can certainly get behind yeah. that. So, so I might, I might actually get my own points this year, Jonathan. <laughs> we shall see. We shall see. I really want to watch uh, Shazam because I, I have heard so many good things about it. Unfortunately, the movie theater is just so outside of the realm of things that may or may not happen to me this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you got a new kid, so there you go. Man, I got four others. I mean, like five kids is just a math problem at that point. That, that is yeah. that is a difficult thing to make work. I took him to yeah. go see uh, uh, Solo, and even going to the cheap show when you add in a couple couple drinks and a couple popcorns, like it's a hundred dollar outing. Mm-hmm. Can't afford that. I'd much rather pay fifteen bucks for the Blu-ray. Just get a nice TV. I have a nice TV. Not exactly like a super nice yeah. TV, but nice enough. There you go. All right, so what else have you been watching? Uh, what else have I been watching? I watched The Mummy, not the Tom Cruise one. Oh. The Brendan Fraser? Oh, the Fraser? Brendan Fraser? 99. Yeah! Yeah, we watched that recently because it's you? on... Yeah! I really enjoyed that. You know, I saw that movie ages ago. I saw it in the and, theater. Uh, like, watching it, I'm like, I, I don't remember any of this. <laughs> no, I remember the whole thing. Like, the, everything was exactly the way I remembered it. There was nothing out of place. I'd forgotten what a sweet movie that it was because despite it all, and there's a fair amount of, um, 
adult humor in it. There's a certain innocence to the whole thing, you know? Yeah, it's very it's very watchable. I remember the sequel a lot more because I saw it a couple times just randomly. But yeah, the first one I only saw once right after it came out on home video. I think I watched it on VHS for Christ's sake. So yeah, Imhotep. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a couple scenes in particular that are just hysterical. <laughs> and I'll say this, like some of the special effects, especially like the, the rotten face on the on the main on the Imhotep, they're just not holding up. <laughs> no, no, the early CG is not holding up. No way. <laughs> it's not that it was bad. It's just that like, when when the guy's face moves like the the CG is obviously hand hand moving. Yeah, well, it was it was very early CG. I mean, that might have been one of the first ones where they had like a complete character on screen. I mean, I I, I know Jar Jar was the first one, but I, I don't think that one was far behind it. No, either do I. All right. Well, I, Jonathan, have corrected some past misgivings. We uh, we finished up Veronica Mars, which I will talk about soon because I have more thoughts on that uh, than this. But we are now two episodes deep on Altered Carbon. Oh, what do you think? It's a weird show. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's total like Blade Runner meets, uh, I don't know, salient narrative. Yeah, it's it's technically technically, I guess it's not really cyberpunk. It's more transhumanism because it's about, you know, moving from body to body. And the only part I didn't get was like I, I, I realized they didn't they're not making those bodies like they just get them somehow. Like no, people they're, they're, they're people's bodies like you, you get the body you can afford. Right, but I, I don't know why those people aren't in those bodies anymore, I guess, is my problem. I don't know. Because they seem to have no problem getting people bodies. It's just, I'm like, where did all these people go? <laughs> Are they going to get into that? I hope they do. They do. They do. They do in a very, very upsetting way. Oh, that's super. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I just got to the part where, maybe it's just the first episode we're at, but yeah, he just got a room at the Edgar Allan Poe bar. Oh, uh, so you're getting to the good part. Like, Not that there's any part that's not good, but... That part in particular, like, yeah, you're 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 in the sweet spot. Yeah, it, it definitely would put a, an interesting spin on like a, a role playing game version of it, even like a even like an action game, because, you know, you could do the thing where your your death isn't a big I mean, it's a big deal because you, you could get put in like an old man, I guess, or an old lady. But yeah, you know, like like death is kind of weirdly transitory. I don't know how much of the next season is going to be based off of the next book in the, cause it's based off of a trilogy, but the next book, uh, it's the same dude, but it's like 30 years later and he's in a completely different body at this point. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know if that's the plan or not, but yeah, it's a weird show. I like it though. It's, 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 phenomenal. it's, it's so freaking good. It's very creepy, but yeah, I'm digging it. I'm digging it so far. So yes, we're, we're slowly working our way through that. We haven't had, it's been a busy week. We haven't had a lot of time to watch this week just because of everything, but hopefully we can get an episode tonight and uh, before, after we record, hopefully. So in my, uh, continuing, um, watching older films, not older, but like films that were not recent, I got a, a burr up my rear to watch edge of tomorrow. Nice. I forgot what a blast that movie is. Again, not the biggest Tom Cruise fan. Really thoroughly enjoy that movie. Yeah, my my only complaint about it is I, I just wasn't that into the third act. Like the, the finale, I just didn't dig. Uh, I, I, it cleans up too nicely. 
it cleans up too nice. Yeah. That's, that's, that's its biggest problem. It pulls the punch. It's this interesting, interesting tale, and then at the last second, it's hero ending, pull the punch. But man, what a great ride leading up to it. And my gosh, from a filmmaking perspective, the level of attention to detail as you relive the same moment over and over and over again is remarkable. It's based off of a manga called, uh, I forget what it's called, but yeah. Like live, I, I, kill, die, repeat or something. Yeah, all, all you need is kill or something yeah, like that. Yeah, all you need yeah, is yeah, kill. Yeah, yeah you're, 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 yeah. that's it. They're making a sequel. I know, I'm, re- I'm genuinely excited about it. I forgot how much I enjoyed a good Doug Lehman movie. Gina and I finished Veronica Mars. We got through season three of it. Near the tail end of that, I started realizing something. Uh, I got to talking with my buddy about how, like, TV, just because of binging, has changed so much in, like, the last couple of years. Hasn't it, though? Like, one thing I noticed in Veronica Mars was they would occasionally, you know, like, when they had episodes that were coming out at Christmas, they would just have Christmas decorations up. And it wouldn't be part of the plot, you know? Like, in a show now, because you're binging it, if they acknowledged what time of year it was, it would be part of the plot. You know, if it yeah. was Christmas time, Christmas would factor into well, it. Well, because it was, it, it was designed to be shown at a specific point in the year. Right, right, right. But yeah, but you don't... TV shows... I mean, TV shows in general don't have that anymore. Like, even shows on... on, on uh, like network TV, they don't necessarily do that anymore because they realize people might binge them later and, and it won't work. It won't register quite as much. So unless they're having like a Christmas episode, they won't just sort of have Christmassy stuff in the background or, or Eastery stuff or holiday randomness. You know, they just will ignore it because it could be watched at any time. And unless it's part of the plot, I just realized that like in the last few years, people just will not generate. I mean, there's I'm, I'm, there's bound to be exceptions, especially on network TV. But I, I, I noticed like a lot of a lot of TV shows seem to be getting away from that now, which is strange. You know, like I, I, I just remember seeing shows like that. And uh, the other thing, uh, my, my buddy was go- watching House again and he thought it was interesting that uh, House was kind of at this weird sort of midpoint between like binging shows where, you know, like characters can change and evolve pretty, pretty uh, aggressively, like over the course of a season to very different people and like older TV shows where people don't change at all. Like every, every end of every episode, everything gets reset, you know, Riker never wants to leave the ship type thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and he was saying house is weird because house is every season, like he can change, like things can happen. And then at the end of the, or at the beginning of the next season, they hit the reset button and everything goes back to the way it was. And then you just do it all again. Yeah, I'd and say that's it, true of the first two or three seasons, but then it kicks itself out and he starts. To yeah. Change. Maybe, maybe, maybe when he fires all his staff or yeah, not, he, but he, he, he hadn't gotten there yet. But, well, no, he, he, he evolves over the course of every season, but he's like, it, it hap- it's happened a few times where he, like at the end of the season, he'll kick his pill addiction. He'll try to be a little bit healthier and whatnot. And then by first couple episodes into the next season, he's popping pills again. Yeah. And, but I think that's uh, more commentary on addiction than anything else. Yeah. But uh, he said it like, you know, he was saying like it happened three times in three years in a row. And it's just, and it, it, it it's always like house always like kicks his pills sometime during the summer and he's back on them by, <laughs> by fall. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. It's a little too cyclical. I don't know. It's just, it's just weird how the formats are changing just because technology is marching on and you just watch old shows and you just see things that people won't do anymore. I thought it was an interesting conversation we were having about it. Back to you, Enterprise. Uh, yeah, we continue to watch Enterprise. It continues to be the charming little show that it was. The first season is still not the greatest, but uh, man, I'm so excited to show the kids the later seasons. Yeah, oh, that fourth season, man. The fourth season was so good. Yeah, no, just truly. 
All right. Well, I will round myself out with uh, because we finished Veronica Mars, the TV show. We watched Veronica Mars, the movie, which was weird. Crowdfunded one. Yeah. That's a little piece (laughs) of history in and of itself, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's weird because um, our experience viewing it was not the experience of like the Veronica, the the original gangster Veronica Mars fans. So, you know, for us, like suddenly flashing forward nine years (laughs) was really weird, you know? And I'm sure that movie was like much more satisfying for people who like, you know, had to wait nine years to watch it. But like watching it after the finale of the show, it, it, it just, it oddly seemed like the season finale it should have had or the series finale it should have had in a weird way, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It was weird. It was weird just watching it from that point of view, but it was fun. I mean, it was fun. Kind of, it, it, it kind of reminded me of star Trek, like all good things, you know, cause it flashed forward to the future and you saw kind of how everybody turned out, which was kind of nice, <laughs> but you know, which I, I think is a key ingredient in all serious finales. You want to jump forward in time a little bit just to kind of see where everybody's at because you want to know all your favorite characters are okay. We were watching the special features. I didn't realize how many like Kickstarter people they just had on that, sh- on that, movie like because uh, there's a uh, the the film takes place during the 10-year high school reunion and most of the background people in the in the party were kickstarter backers <laughs> <laughs> and i i just didn't i didn't realize that and and like going back and watching that scene uh it was like yeah a lot of a lot of the background people in this scene are not like hollywood pretty they're like just regular people and and like seeing that like noticing it i was like oh weird this is really weird now because just looking at the background, it's like these are all regular people like me. What? What? <laughs> yeah, I like that. Anyway, it was interesting watching nine years later what should have been the finale finale, and then, and now we're ready. Oh, and I, I I thought that I thought the reboot was in or the reboot the the new miniseries was in like September, but it's like in July. It's awesome. I don't have long to wait oh, to go. to get more you're Veronica ready. Mars. Yeah. So there we go. Boom, Veronica Mars. Finish us off with some Game of Thrones. Well, I'm not going to say much about it. I mean, Game of Thrones is back on. Last season, uh, it definitely seems like it's 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 determined to go out with a bang. Yeah. Sometimes literally. How, how can we not talk about Giant's Milk, Jonathan, seriously? <laughs> no spoilers! <laughs> that is how I got so strong. Uh, I forgot how much I like that guy. Oh my god. He's the best character ever. Maybe in the show. Is the giant woman still here? Yeah. Oh, oh. I mean, big one. Is the big one still here? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh. Anyway, anyway. Yeah, you're right. No spoilers. No spoilers. Let let me just go as far as to say he is just romance personified right there. (laughs) (laughs) He represents my ability to woo a woman. <laughs> Explains so much about you and Jessica. Yeah, you don't it even really know. does. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he's just beautiful. He's like a junior high schooler in a man's body. <laughs> so there you go. Game of Thrones. No spoilers on this show. Uh, watch it. It's it's been really great so far. Season eight is uh, living up to some some pretty heady promises. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've been kind of half watching it because I, I, I'm not up on that series at all. But, you know, Gina started watching it when we got HBO streaming. And, uh, yeah, I kind of like half watch it while she's doing that. Speaking of which, what I, what I was doing when that was on, uh, when because, uh, you know, it was, it was hard not to pay attention to it. But uh, 
Speaking of Zima Blue, let's go into reading, Jonathan. <laughs> I, uh, I, so Zima Blue is based off of a short story uh, by a guy named Alistair Reynolds, also an earlier episode, uh, Beyond the Ar- Arcadian Gate or whatever. That episode of Love, Death, Death and Robots is also based on, on a short story of his. And I got a collection of those short, short stories from the library. So I was reading Zima Blue, the story, while I was watching Game of Thrones. Nice. I, I, I watched that one. That was, that's one of the ones I've watched. Beyond the whatever gate. Yeah. 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 That story is way creepier. <laughs> uh, I can see how it could be. Yeah. Cause, um, like, like what's going on? Uh, you don't see it. He, he only kind of like half describes it kind of like, you know, Cthulhu style. And it's, and it's, 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 it's uh, you know, it's, it's kind of worse, kind of better. Uh, the one that really creeped me out, yeah, no spoilers, but, Okay, spoiler alert. The one that really creeped me out was when he he wakes up in the, you know, out of the matrix or whatever. Uh and just how like gaunt he is yeah. in the show. Yeah. yeah that that was kind of hard to watch, but like the uh the short story is from his point of view, so he doesn't really see himself. He just sort of sees what's really going on and the way to, they describe it is so much worse and dark. And I, when I mean dark, I mean not lit because they're out in the middle of nowhere. There's just no light. And uh and just 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 things he sort of sees in the darkness is like, ah, ah. So you have to send me the name. Ah. I would not mind reading that. I, I I can't send you a library book, John. No, I'm saying send me the name. Oh, uh, the book is just beyond the beyond the Ontario's gate. I mean, that's just what it's called. That should be easy to find. That should be incredibly easy to find. And 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 he has another short story collection called Zima Blue, which again both stories are in. So oh, there you go. pick your poison. Well, Robert, that was a ton of TV and movies. Let's go to some of the other uh, slightly less used categories. And books. I read a book. You read a book? <laughs> yeah, Zima Blue. Oh, well, okay. Done. Dunsies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dunsies. We're all done. Let's talk about video games. Uh, anything new for you? Yeah, uh, World of Warships came out on the PlayStation, and that game is not great. But it's fun. It's fun, and it's entertaining, and I can't stop playing it, and I don't know why. Yeah, that's uh, how I felt for about six months, about two years ago. I went through the same phase. Yeah, I yeah, understand. So, and I'm going to try yeah. not to get back into it, because I got really into it. Yeah, yeah. It's on the PlayStation. I'm uh, I'm working on some uh, British dis- destroyers, and I'm trying to get a American battleship right now. That's, that's kind of yeah. what I'm working on. Yeah, I went down the battleship yeah. tree pretty hard. I like destroyers, but I don't like destroyers. I'm trying to figure. I I, I think they're not quite my play style because I like how agile they are, but I don't like how fragile they are. I, I don't like being a glass cannon. I think I need something a little more sturdy. But I don't know if if I want to be a cruiser guy or a battleship guy. I haven't decided yet. I I don't mind the battleships because you can take a beating. Yeah, yeah, tanky is fun too. So anyway, we'll see. I'm I, I'm I'm enjoying my cruisers right now. We'll see. I'll I'll definitely get my first battleship and see how I feel about it, and then I'll decide. But anyway, there you go. I'm done. Finn, what what have you been playing? Uh, let's see. What have I been playing? A lot more Apex, uh, a lot more Division 2. Uh, those, you know, talked about them ad nauseum, so there's no reason to mm-hmm. go back to them. But a lot more, uh, a new game that I was free for, uh, it was free on the Xbox Game Pass. It was uh, Mutant Year Zero, and I believe it's from the developers of the XCOM games. Hmm. And so the the game plays basically, you've got an almost uh, Diablo perspective where you're just cruising around the environment and you can go, uh, cruise around you can do exploring and you're picking up loot and then when enemies are present and you trip them it goes into a fixed uh a fixed view that is very reminiscent of XCOM, and you have all of the same um 
kind of turn-based strategy stuff that's going on with the XCOM games, including cover and percentage chance of hitting people. And it's really dynamic. It's neat. And it looks really pretty, too. They did a great job with the graphics. <laughs> you know what the, uh, the studio name is that made that? What? The Bearded Ladies. Well, there you go. I'm looking over their page right now. And then finally, uh, I just wanted to throw a shout out there because uh, in about, what time is it? 930? Uh, in about an hour and a half, just as you and I polish off this podcast, Mortal Kombat 11 is dropping. Oh, nice. Nice, nice, nice. All pre-ordered so I can get myself some Shao Kahn. If you pre-order, you get Shao Kahn. Love me some Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not going to get that too violent for the kiddos right now. Oh, that's that's a daddy game. Kids don't get Yeah. Yeah, kids yeah well, well, my... my uh, my wife isn't an old lady, and she doesn't go to bed at 6.30, so I, I have to do stuff with her. In fact, I enjoy doing stuff with her. I've been watching Altered Carbon with her. So, I enjoy yeah. doing stuff with my wife, too. Um, we, we watched Game of Thrones last night, and then she promptly went to sleep. Yeah, yeah well, you know, it's, it, that was it's up way past, past her bedtime. Her bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, she's the, she's the youngest old lady I've ever met. I know, I know. <laughs> Well, one last thing before we move on to board games, and this segment is going incredibly long, so I'll try to keep this brief but interesting. Okay, this is not going to be brief or because, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> this is a long story. Okay, so, Jonathan, do you, you remember Kaladesh? Of course, yes. So, when they released Kaladesh, the Magic the Gathering setting, they released some stories to go with it on the interwebs. I will try to find them again and put them in the show notes. Uh, one of the stories, the first story, actually, was told from Liliana's point of view. Uh, Liliana, the, uh, the, the, the sultry femme fatale necromancer of the Magic universe. And when a character named Gideon walks in... Uh, and and starts interacting with her. Uh, the first time she sees him, it's like, oh, and of course he doesn't have his shirt on again, and he was out practicing, so he's all sweaty. And uh, and th- that's when she says she hardly remembers his name anymore, and she tends to just call him Beef Slab. And then for the rest of the story, because it's from her point of view, it's like Beef Slab said blah, Beef Slab did blah, because whenever she interacts with Gideon, it's not Gideon, it's Beef Slab. Which I thought sounded like a name of David Ryder uh, from uh, Space Mutiny in Mystery Science Theater 3000. So what I did was I took a screen of Mystery Science Theater 3000 and I just typed Gideon Beef Slab on it and I tweeted it out and blah, blah, blah. All right. So, Jonathan, here's the thing. I tweeted that out on the Internet and I got to tell you, buddy, in all of this horrific cyberpunk, awful dystopian future we have, uh, the Internet worked. The Internet worked. It fulfilled its original promise of connecting people, okay? Because meanwhile, down in Mexico, there is a dude named... What is this handle? I don't want to mispronounce it because this guy's awesome. I have it highlighted. Ferrandior. 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 We got to roll those R's, buddy. Ferrandior. Genuine Corinthian leather. Ferrandior. 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 He... Also apparently like that. And so around the same time, mind you, this was like 2016, he found a guy who took uh, one of Gideon's Planeswalkers card and replaced all instances of his name on that with B-Slap, which was pretty hilarious, I got to say. And this is where, this is where our, our internets combined, Jonathan. This is where the internet fulfilled its promise. So in the current set, uh, War of the Spark, uh, if, if that video we talked about where uh, Liliana starts burning, you know, she starts dying, 
What happens immediately after that is uh, Gideon rolls up to her and sees that she's trying to do the right thing, even after she got her stole stolen and whatnot. And that curse, that, that whatever it is, he takes it on himself, and then he goes and charges uh, Nicobolus because he knows he's going to die because he did that. He, he, he's like, but I'm going to try to go kill Nicobolus with my evil-ass sword, the Black Blade, before that happens. And he dies. He died. Nicobolus, or uh, Gideon died, right? No more beef slab. No more beef slab, right. So... Uh, You have read that obviously more American than you have been in the last 32 seconds. Uh, That got me to the quick, sir. Um, uh, He. Uh, I, I read that one morning because they, they uh, it's pretty cool, actually, for the new magic set. They've been releasing cards and story order. So as they do spoilers, it's actually in the order of the story. So you can like kind of see what the narrative is within the cards, which has been kind of fun. So we both read that Gideon died on the same day. And, uh, you know, obviously this uh, this fellow in Mexico was a little sad that beef slab died and I don't know what he did, but I checked my Twitter that morning and it says that dude Fernandior liked my, my thing that I posted three years ago about Gideon beef slab. Right. And, uh, and, and there you go, Jonathan, we both had a moment right there. We both had a moment, a shared moment of our love of beef slab and, and it brought us together through, you know, time and space via the internet and it connected us and, and now we're friends and, and I'm a, I'm a terrible person. I don't speak a lick of Spanish and that's all he tweets in, but you know what? We have a connection because of Gideon beef slab and the internet fulfilled its purpose for once. Beef slab, bringing the world together. One patty that's at right. a time. One patty at a time. He's got them two patties. Ooh, boom, boom. So yeah. Double beef slab. Yeah. Double beef slab does like that that Schwarzenegger thing where he like flexes his 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 his, his breastial muscles and does that like thing he does. Those would be called pectorals. Pectorals, yeah. The breast the brector the breastorals, yes. And just <laughs> <laughs> your giant man, baby. I sense an episode title: the breastorals. <laughs> I thought you had one. I thought you wanted your beef slab. Oh, I do want the beef slab. I forgot about that. We'll see if Gina does the <laughs> there, There's the title. I want the beef slab. I want the beef slab. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I, I just thought that was super cute that, you know, like just just out of time and space, like, you know, just random person I never heard of. And now now we're Facebook or now we're Twitter besties, I guess. I, I, I've seen tweets from him and I'm like, yeah, it's that guy. Nice. <laughs> Sometimes the Internet holds up to its uh, reputation. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's good. So, yeah, beef slab. All bringing right. me together internationally, Jonathan, international beef slab fandom. International House of Beef Slab? Yeah. Oh, I'd eat there. <laughs> so would I. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on, Robert. We've still got board games to cover, and I'm going to let you start. I played some Potion Explosion. Oh, yeah. I found the second edition. I bought it. Nice. Heck I'm kind of yeah. envious. I need to do that. Heck yeah. It's getting a little hard to find. I don't know if it's going out of print or something. Ah, who knows? Who knows? Either way, it's a great game. It's well worth it. Yes, it is. Uh, I, I found out uh, possibly why uh, it's not. Simon doesn't make it. They license it from a, I think, an Italian or a Spanish company. I'm not sure. That would explain why it's so far out of their 
normal uh, range of product. Yeah, but their their uh, their company name is great. You know what the company name is that makes it? Beastlet? Horrible Games. Aww. Yeah, no, but their 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 logo is all Cthulhu tentacles because they're not horrible games. They're horrible games. Woo! I like it. I dig it. I like. Yeah, it. I dig it too. I, I like the the play on words. <laughs> be slapped for the loving. That's right. I don't know where any of this is going anymore. <laughs> and then um, I played. Uh, the library came through, and I got a copy of uh, Sushi Go Party, which is interesting. Have you have you seen Sushi Go Party? Uh, I can't say I've seen Party. I've seen plenty of Sushi Go. Okay, so Sushi Go Party, it comes with uh, several other types of sushi, and then it comes with a board that you can use as a scoring track, you know, because that game has scoring tracks. So it, it's kind of like Carcassonne. It goes around the edge, or like a lot of games like that, where it just go, the score goes around the edge. And then what you do is you build the deck, and so you have to have like you know a dessert, a number of appetizers, and whatnot, but they have different ones in there, so you can kind of vary your potion explosion, or potion explosion, you can vary your Sushi Go experience. So it's, it's more know? of like a, a planning a menu game. Well, no, it's the same game. It's just the menu's different. So the menu's on the board, and then, but you know, you may not have. Um, you have to have the. Uh, uh, I forget what the sushi are called that uh, are like you know squid and whatever. Those are Nigiri. always in the deck. Nigiri, yeah. But like the maki or the the ice cream or the chopsticks, those are all. You don't have to have them. They have things you could substitute in. So it kind of varies your. You know, you can play a different type of game based off of what you like. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it's no, weird. It makes it's a lot different. Of sense. Yeah, it, it was good. It was fun. So, yeah, if you like your if if you like sushi go, uh, get that version because it has a little bit more replayability because you can kind of make like tune harder decks because they have suggestions based off of difficulty and types of things you like and whatnot. It's it's pretty cool actually. Well, very cool. I had a chance to play a lo- whole bunch more Guns on Clever. Oh yeah, um, that might be my favorite roll and write game of all time. It's just so much fun to play. Yeah, I remember that game. You talked about it. It had a funny name. Yeah, I absolutely adore it. I've been having nothing but a great time with it. it it's so precariously put together, too. Like, it, it's interesting how many ways it shouldn't work, but it totally does. Hmm. I mean, that just it speaks to, to how well-tuned um, their, their model was with the dice and the percentages and whatnot. Like, it just, it's, I don't know. Like, I usually don't really get excited about rolling rights, and this one, I just can't stop playing it. I'm just having so much fun with it. It's such a neat little puzzle. I'm going to look up if they have at the library. It has been. It has been. It's been a blast. I've really genuinely been enjoying it. I don't know if it's even really readily available in the States. Like, I, I, I got my copy at a con, and I know it's a German game, so I don't, I don't know what its availability is like in the States. I don't know if anybody truly brought it over. Hmm. Weird. Next time you go to a con, I might have misspelled it. I might have misspelled it. Truthfully, okay. There's a good chance that if you cut and paste what I put in there, uh, it's not right. Then I will continue the search at a later time. Fair enough. Fair. What enough. else have you? What else have you been playing, sir? I have also been playing the ginormous box that uh, showed up on my doorstep. The first half of my Hellboy Kickstarter came, Robert. Nice. I no 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 no. What? No 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 no. We're gonna talk about that later, sir. I don't want your thoughts now. Save them. Stow them. Fair enough. Put them away. Fair enough. Put them away. Fair. Yeah. Enough. Suffice it there to say, go. I'm grinning. Well, we're covering it. Positive podcast. Positive we, podcast. We we did. Yeah yeah yeah. There we go. Well, does that bring us to the end of off the shelf, Robert? Yeah, 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 finally. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did ramble on. Well, and, and, and I'm going to cut out a 15-minute interlude of putting my children to bed. <laughs> but what an interlude it was. 
Yeah, it's true. They ran back in here and said goodbye to you. It was cute. They did. It was pretty friggin' adorable. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of our off-the-shelf segment. That's all the fun stuff that we've had off the shelf. And, of course, we want to know what you have had off the shelf. And so, to that end, we would love to hear about it. Um, we have many, many ways that you can interact with us. But by far, the most popular that we have has been uh, our Facebook page. Join us. Come chat with us. I'm getting closer and closer to pulling the trigger on a Reddit page. And I got to say, I'm thinking about it. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Do it. Yeah, yeah I probably just should. Because I don't know anybody on Reddit, but that doesn't mean nobody will show up. None of you, some of you might show up. Because, you know, maybe you're Reddit or maybe you're not a Facebooker. I, I get not being a Facebooker. That's <laughs> uh, a cyberpunk dystopia, Jonathan. That was that positive podcast. We're not going to go out like that puppies. <laughs> I don't know what just happened, but that was adorable. <laughs> I'm going to swallow some more of my uh, boba balls <laughs> as we go out. I don't know how you want to go with beef slop. I got them rolling around balls. in my mouth. <laughs> Earning our PG-13 rating tonight, ladies and gentlemen. It's all innuendo. Mm. Like I said, earning the PG-13 rating. <laughs> we love getting feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by hitting us up at one of the following. You can join us on Patreon, where we post bonus content. You can also message us or tweet at us on the Twitter. Find us at Forgot My Dice. You can join us in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash FMD podcast. If you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give Forgot My Dice a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Lastly, for those of you seeking experiences beyond our concepts of pleasure and pain, set the Lamont configuration to full hell mode. Oddly, you can find us in several levels of the labyrinth as the only thing playing on the radio. Wait, what? I have such sights to show you, Jonathan. Ah, oh, I need to take your Netflix account away from you. Welcome back. It is now, of course, time for our Wisdom of Crowd segment. This is, of course, the segment where we talk about all our bi-weekly tabletop news. Of which I found very little. Which, because we're getting a little close to Gen Con, we're kind of in that that uh, quiet zone of the year. Which is not to say that there's no news. I have news. I, I have very little news. I got a little bit more than little news. First of all, do you hear the screams, Robert? Just the voices in my head. Is one of them Kratos? From the God of War series? No, they're the screams of my children because they're two-year-old demon spawns. And I, uh, it's been a week, Jonathan. <laughs> well, if you rename one of your children Zeus, then maybe you will hear the screams yeah. from the God of War. Go on. Because God of War is coming to board games as God of War the card game from Simon. Oh, fun. And it starts out with Kratos as an old man with his son, uh, all based around God of War, the uh, the latest God of War game. The not at all confusingly titled God of War to not be mistaken with the other God of War. Look, it worked for Fast and the Furious and the Fast and the Furious. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Can't just call it God of War 4. Got it. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> they haven't talked much about uh, gameplay. They haven't touched. They haven't really just talked much about the game at all. Just suffice it to say, they are launching it. They've uh, got a cover art out. There's going to be a tableau of cards which uh, will de- depict different quests. Hmm. And those are going to be made up of monsters and locations from the video game. Um, and it, apparently it's going to be a, a co-op game, uh, which is kind of interesting. We'll, you'll have to work together 
uh, to make your way through each quest. And so that's definitely got my attention because A, I love God of War, and B, I love cooperative card games. So uh, I'm in. I'm in. Hey, you want to hear something crazy? It's April, and I'm just now backing my first Kickstarter of the year. (laughs) Oh, you told this to me. Terraforming Mars Turmoil is on Kickstarter. It's the latest expansion. It's a very big expansion for Terraforming Mars. Leading humanity in uncertain time. So they're going to give Terraforming Mars a political aspect. Oh, weird. Okay. Yeah. Players will have delegates that you can assign to to various political parties, and the party with the most delegates becomes the ruling party of the next generation, and then there's a bunch of policies that will uh, be enacted for an entire generation of play. Weird. Which, if you remember from playing ter- Terraforming Mars, basically, like, every turn is a generation. Oh, interesting. I wonder if they're going to do the whole Martian independence movement thing, like, from the, the, the Mars trilogy and all that. I don't know. I don't know. I just know that it, it seems like a genuinely cool idea. Like, it, it just really seems like it's going to be awesome. So I, I have backed it. Nice. I'm very excited. Nice. And then, uh, guess what? Chicken butt. That, too. Dads love that. Uh, <laughs> Catan, the proverbial classic Catan, is coming to the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> June 20th, 2019, you, too, will be able to play Catan on your Switch. That's cool. Is it on other systems yet? Uh, I think there's a phone app. That would make sense. You see a lot of the phone apps go over to... Oh, it's on PS4, but it's on PS3. Or it's on PS3, but not PS4. That's weird. Huh. Eh, different architecture. Yeah, no. I mean, PS4 can backwards compatible, I'm sure, yeah? No. Yeah. <laughs> no. There you go. There you go. There goes that idea. Yeah, there goes that idea. Buy a Switch. Working on it. Although the, the PS5 is coming out soon. Or they're going to announce yeah, it I know. this year. I've already started saving my pennies for that one. Yeah, I may have to, too. Especially because it's supposed to be backwards compatible, so there's like no reason not to get it. Agreed, since everything will, uh, will run like a PlayStation Plus, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. You know what? You know what? See, that's what they should have done with the P- PlayStation 3, so I could play Catan on my big screen. But yes, it's on the Switch, which is very good. All right, all right, Jonathan. All right, so you remember my story earlier about uh, Thermendor? Did I get it? Yes. Did I get it? And where am I still? Uh, <sighs> see? Well, now you're putting me on the spot, and I'm scared. You should be. You should be. <laughs> All right. Uh, you should be. So uh, yes, yes. If you uh, if you weren't here for that, you're not saying it. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get out of this by <laughs> trying to cleverly segue into the actual topic that we're discussing. Fermentor. Fermentor. No, you don't even have the right syllables. <laughs> completely lost it. Ferramidor. No, no. Wait, you I screwed it up. Ferramdor. Fermandor. Ferramdior. 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 No, Ferram Dior. For, uh, I'm so frightened. Ferram Ram Dior. Dior. Ferram Dior. Anyway. Yes, I pronounce my D's differently, but that's the Argentine accent. Okay. All right, buddy. Well, Ferram Dior. So I, I mentioned in that story that Gideon, my uh, dear, dear beef slab, beef slab, beef slab, uh, he uh, he died, which is so sad. He died. He died a hero. He died a slab of beef. <laughs> Uh, Wizards has announced that they're going to there's a new product they're releasing in lieu of I forget what but they canceled one thing to start doing this they're doing what they call Planeswalker Spellbooks uh, which is they just release a limited edition pretty card set uh, themed around different Planeswalkers and the next one is going to be themed around Gideon and it's Gideon's Spellbook it'll be out soon with an MSRP of uh, 20 bucks 
And uh, what's cute about it is um, it's almost written like an obituary for him because all, all of the cards he's dead and they have these like little quotes about, about his life in them. And uh, it's just really cute. You know, it's like a little memorial for the, for the planeswalker. And I thought that was uh, like a super thematic and cute idea. So I, I just want to bring that up. Like good on you wizards. You, you, you nailed it. And it just looks super cute. And uh, yeah, you know, it's just, it's a memorial. It's a memorial for my boy. I like be slab. Who's <laughs> cutting onions in here? Go on, Jonathan. You gonna be all right? I'm gonna be fine. Go on, Jonathan. I'm good. I'm good. I don't feel like you are. I'm just getting a little verklempt. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's go. <laughs> I'll give you a topic. <laughs> oh God, no! Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along. Uh, hey, you remember that uh, Choose Your Own Adventure game that came out a few months ago? Yes. Yes, I do. They are releasing the second one in the series, and it's going to be based off of War with the Evil Power Master, (laughs) which is a book I actually distinctly remember from my reading Choose Your Own Adventure uh, days. That's kind of awesome. You know, those days are back. I wouldn't doubt it. Back in the day when those were really popular, uh, uh, TSR released a a bunch of uh, Choose Your Own Adventures that they couldn't call Choose Your Own Adventures because those are copyrighted. They called them endless quest and uh, yeah they released a bunch of endless quest books recently i i, I checked one out the library for eowyn not that i intend on reading it it's for eowyn so uh how was it i haven't read it yet because i was reading zima blue so you're gonna read it i'm gonna read it yes you see what i did there yes you, i do you got me it was it was such a cunning plan <sighs> this is what i do people <laughs> this is the value add i bring to this show i know you're welcome. My work here is done. Dude, you're, Let's move right along. Your, your work is far from done. Well, is that why we need to talk about uh, a, a cool-looking hack-and-slash game that's out? Uh, you, you've got me intrigued. Go on. Yes, Sanctum. It's an adventure game for two to four players, and it's a total Diablo clone as a board game. Diablo the board game. Because uh, there's a Diablo clone called Sanctum that you can play. Oh, I wonder if it's based. It's uh, it does not say in this press press release. It's uh, the free game right now on the Epic Store. Hmm, I think. Well, no, that's a tower uh, defense game. I am thinking of something completely different. Never mind. This is this is going to release in 2019. It's called Sanctum. Uh, it looks cool. It's got a really neat cover. The heroes look awesome. They they have uh, uh, big plastic models, and they're promising that it's going to be Diablo uh, Diablo style board gaming. Neat. This has nothing to do with the game that I was thinking of. All right. Fantastic. Well, there you go. So that's coming from uh, Czech Games Edition, and uh, apparently they're going to be releasing more information on their website soon. Is that real soon, Blizzard soon, or Valve soon? I have no clue, but I'm really hoping this is a Gen Con. Because I would pick this up in a heartbeat. I it cool. think that counts as really cool. I think that counts as real soon. Because Gen Con's in August. That's that's like, what, four months? I'm hoping. Yeah. I'm hoping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Well, uh, shall we talk Mensa? Because I know this is a, a situation that you and I are not at all familiar with. I tested for Mensa. As did I. <laughs> I did not get in. As did I. <laughs> uh, 
Well, aside from the fact that they've lost out on our shining personalities, Mensa every year does put out a, a list of Mensa award winners. These are games that Mensa uh, chooses as the best board games of the year, and they get a special Mensa Select seal. And they have announced the winners for 2018. Hit me. Uh, Azul from uh, Michael Kiesling and Plan B Games is uh, the first winner. Yep, yep, yep. That is now a Mensa Select game. Constellations, the game of stargazing in the night sky. Hmm, never heard of it. Have to check it out. Ex Libris from uh, Adam McIver and Renegade Game Studios. Photosynthesis, which you and I have been discussing a lot since uh, that will be uh, an upcoming topic in the show. Mm hmm. Uh, Raiders of the North Sea. Mm. And those are, uh, those are this year's Mensa Select winners. Nice. Some really good games in there. Mm hmm. I'll say this about Mensa. They may not have taste when it comes to podcast hosts <laughs> being in their organization, but I'll tell you where they do have some taste is in their board games because those are some good picks. You cannot go wrong with that list. Well, that brings us to the end of our tabletop news, Robert, which of course means it's now time once again for us to, to hop in our look back machine and take a look back at one year ago today when we talked about... Forgot my dice episode 40 turn around every now and then and that's that's all we got in the title we played some dinosaur island we played some dinosaur island though yeah mm-hmm. uh and i continue to play dinosaur island. yeah i wanted to play dinosaur island but i didn't get a chance when i was visiting it's not without its setup i'll say that mm. but that being said um i played actually quite a bit of dinosaur island because i got the new kickstarter dinosaur island came out on kickstarter i totally missed it i don't know how i missed it but i did uh, because I missed it, I didn't get any of the cool stuff that I really wanted to get because I love dinosaurs. So I went back and um, I backed the second Kickstarter, which gave me uh, the ability to get some of the cool stuff from the first Kickstarter. So I uh, sold my retail copy of uh, Dinosaur Island and I picked up this brand new spiffy version of Dinosaur Island. And now the world is happy and I have my dinos and I got Dualsaur Island with it. Nice. Well, that's cool. So that is the the tale of my Dinosaur Island woes. Well, obviously you still play it. I do. I do. Quite a lot. Uh, I really, really like that game. Jonathan Gilmore really just knocked it out of the park on that one. I was also looking through the notes, and uh, we were apparently watching uh, Lost in Space at the time, the uh, the Netflix no. show. When season two come out? I have no idea. Did it get canceled? That's an interesting idea. I, I, I don't think so. I thought it did really well. Like a lot of people were talking about it. Oh, hey, they're they're filming it. Well, I mean, it's 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 Netflix, so it's not going to necessarily follow a traditional uh, model. They apparently have filmed it. There we go. <laughs> no release date yet. No, does not look like it. No. I mean, that's kind of I don't know. I'm a little sad, I guess. I want it out now. Yeah, That'd be nice. But yeah, episodes are listed on IMDb, so it's coming. It's just not here yet. I now now I really want to play Dance Around. A lot. Well, get it off the shelf and tell us about it. I, w- I would love to. I would love to. I, I, let me tell you about this baby thing. Like, they ain't messing around. Like, I don't know what time is anymore. It's a, it's a construct that uh, we use to, uh, because we That's perceive nice. things as a, as a linear from point A to point B in the third dimension. Yeah. Or is it the well, fourth dimension? I don't remember. Time has come to a grinding halt for me, sadly. Yeah, yeah, you're you're on the hiatus, man. The six months. It is a thing. It is a thing. Mm-hmm. All right, well, that brings us to the end of our look back. So without any further ado, we shall move right along, yes? Yeah, yeah. 
then in that case, we're going to take a quick break where we will regale you with uh, tales of our amazing interview prowess. Or maybe some other commercial. I'm not sure what's going to come after this. And we will be back in a short bit. And what are we going to be talking about, Robert? Uh, Knitting. No. No? Not unless you knit with the red right hand of doom. Oh, oh, go on. We're going to be talking about Hellboy. Oh, yeah. Hellboy the board game. That's right, that's right. All right, we'll be right back, folks. Join us in just a moment for Hellboy the board game. Do you have a tabletop, board game, miniature game, or RPG that you're going to release for retail? Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? We would love to interview you for a future episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview. Welcome back from the break. It is now, of course, time for our deep dive. And Robert, tonight we are going into the BPRD. That's the Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense, if you want to get fancy. Guess what? Your life's about to get a whole lot weirder, buddy. Do, do you want to just do the blurb in your NPR voice? No, that was that's all I got. Because you, you just, like, inadvertently said the first line of, of the, the thing I am supposed to read. Like, my oh, my job you, here. That, that was the line. That's the first line in the rule book, too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's, well, then you do your thing. No, no. no, no We've no, we got a format. It's, 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 format. it's mine. It's, mine. I'm owning this. I screwed it. I screwed it all up. We're doing it live. Uh, We're doing it live, Robert. <laughs> I feel I feel this week weighing on my soul, and you give this to me, We're Jonathan. Doing it live. This is what you give me, Jonathan. This is what you give me. Bit my cheek. <laughs> You're a mess. I know I'm a mess. All right, let's take this from the top. <laughs> We're go- no, no, no. This is all going in. This is comedy gold, Jonathan. We're not panning again. Become a member of the Bureau for Paranormal Research and Defense (BPRD). Ready to investigate occult threats that threaten our very existence. Sound familiar? Jackass. Explore gothic locations, hunt down clues, discover artifacts, fight horrific creatures, and face off against terrifying bosses. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it because it's Hellboy, and I love Hellboy. Do you have the RPG that Steve Jackson made a decade ago? No, I have been actually looking for a copy. I've not been able to find one that's decently priced. I, I guess you're not really a fan then, right? I mean, a, a real fan would have I didn't that. even know about it until just like eight, about six, seven months ago. I think you mentioned uh, it. Yeah, I know. A real fan would have it. You know, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, it's up to you. <laughs> maybe maybe with the, the box office haul of that new movie, maybe it's gone down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> a positive podcast, Robert. <laughs> I have an anchor around my soul right now, Jonathan. It's been such a long day on top of such a long week. We're almost there. We're almost there. All right. All right, Jonathan. All right, Jonathan. You, 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 you got a job to do, Jonathan. You got a job. You got to lift me out of my doldrums here. Oh my God. It's $796 in hard copy. Sure. I'll take two. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jonathan, come on. Why is it so expensive? I don't know. I think Mike McDonald wrote it. I don't care who wrote it. Who's going to spend $796 on any RPG book? Single RPG book. <laughs> the paperback's only $56. Oh, there you go. Would a real fan have the paperback, though? I mean, I mean, Jonathan, let me ask you a question. If you had to put flair on your on your, your suspenders, would you just do the minimum? 
I mean, look at Rodney over there. He's got 56 pieces of flair. <laughs> yep, I would be all about that minimum. <laughs> because the only way you're getting me into a pair of suspenders is if I've lost consciousness. So here at Chi-Chi's, we're all about the uh, fun and the attitude, and part of that's our flair. <laughs> oh, my God. You, you're just a terrible human. <laughs> Moving right along. All right, Jonathan, tell me, tell me how this game's played. Tell me how this game's played. Make it interesting. Dance. All right. Well, Hellboy is for one to four players, and it is fully cooperative, which is awesome. Uh, so basically everything is is very mission-based. And the missions, it's really cool, come sealed up in little packages. And so you open up each mission, and then you set a bunch of stuff up in the game based on that mission. And the, the, the mission deck will walk you through that. Uh, the mission deck is called the case file deck, and these are all cases that the BPRD has worked. For instance, the introductory case is a case about uh, frogmen that are uh, taking over everything. Hmm. So the case file deck really acts as your atlas uh, for any given encounter with the game. Because the case file deck is going to tell you exactly how to build a couple of other decks that you're going to use in the game. Specifically, the deck of Doom. And Doom is something that's a very important theme in the Hellboy game. Because at at, at every corner... You are fighting the clock uh, as you go through these cases. You are uh, constantly, at the end of every turn, taking a card off of this deck of doom, and a lot, if not most of the cards, are basically saying, hey, advance the doom track forward. And the doom track is something that you are keeping track of during the game, and when it hits certain spots, that actually triggers certain things to happen in the case. So it always behooves you to get to that point in the case before the uh, Doom Track triggers it, because generally the Doom Track triggers it with a bad effect. Do the case files come sealed, or are, you, or are they loose? They do. They come sealed in a little uh, cellophane package. Oh, so you can like run it as a campaign and, and like not know what's coming and all that jazz? You can, you can. Huh. And in fact, it even tells you if for any reason you, you accidentally spill the cards, go find somebody that is not playing the game to reorganize the cards for you so that you don't inadvertently spoil something for yourself. Oh, fun. So the, the case file really is the heart of the game. That's, that's, that's what's driving everything, that's what's defining everything, and definitely the narrative aspect of the game. After you build the Deck of Doom, you're going to build this thing called the Encounter Deck, and the Encounter Deck is based off of specific enemy groups that are determined by the case file, and the Encounter Deck is then going to be distributed through the rooms on the map uh, so that you have an opportunity to find different bad guys, guys every time you play. But it's still all topical to the case file because the case file is telling you, hey, use these sets of cards for building up the encounter deck in this mission. And the encounter deck is broken down into four different segments which correspond with different parts of the, of the tile. So different things can spawn in from different areas? Exactly, huh. exactly. And one of the things that spawns in uh, oftentimes are these little uh, investigation tokens. And when you get there, you can do a skill check to investigate. And by investigating, you actually start to learn things. For instance, in the first mission, when you're going against, um, and spoiler alert here, when you're going against a boss, which is a giant frogman, the more you know, the more you have discovered by investigating, the easier that fight will be because you get to upgrade your skill checks based on how many investigation tokens you get. I'm assuming this is like an adventure game, like, you know, Descent and... It is. It's, it's closer to Descent than Zombicide. So skill checks, uh, what kind of dice are you rolling in this game? Is it just standard D6s? There are so many dice. So many dice. And they're different, or...? They, they are all different. 
you basically have four different skills on your player card. Uh, those skills are fight, shoot, explore, and defend. So fight's kind of like a melee attack. For instance, Hellboy um, is really, really good at melee attacks because he's got the red right hand. He's only kind of good at shooting. He's pretty good at investigating. The dice come in a couple different colors. The dice come in yellow, orange, red, and black. And the color is denoted on your character card, and that denotes the, the level of ability that you have, with yellow being the poorest, orange being an upgrade, red being an upgrade from orange, and finally black being the ultimate skill set. Hmm. Nobody in the, the starting characters has black, uh, black skill sets, but that doesn't matter because one of the things that you can do uh, when you're taking actions and you only get three actions per, per round is assist other people in their turns uh, or upgrade your own skill check by upgrading dice to the next color highest by trading in actions. Hmm. Okay. So if, for instance, I'm doing a, uh, a melee action, which for Hellboy is three red dice, I would roll the three red dice, a single blue die, which is called the effect die, and that has the ability to either bolster the attack, trigger a reroll, double one die roll uh, from the attack, trigger the BPRD symbol, which is a little bit different from character to character, or you could roll a skull, and that's a catastrophe, where you actually have to discard the highest scoring die in your roll. Um, The skill test is going to be determined by the color of his skill. In this case, we're doing a melee attack, so it would be three red dice. You always roll the blue die, because that adds a little bit of variation to it. And then finally, I could trade one of my remaining two actions to upgrade one of those red dice to a black die. Okay. Making it a guaranteed hit, so to speak. So the only way to get black dice is from upgrades. Uh, One of the cool things about Hellboy is that all of your player turns are um, not determined by player order. In fact, it tells you every turn you should weigh and do the options in the the best way possible for your players. So you might go first one turn and last the next uh, because that's what's best for the players. And other players can discard an action to assist with an action uh, and basically give you a free upgrade. Well, that's cool. I mean, it, it makes sense because, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a cooperative game, so why wouldn't you just kind of all go at once? So that's, that's the skill checks. There's also a, a requisition deck which you're going to build up, and these are things that you can uh, unlock during the mission. Uh, think of it as, as handy pickups. And the, the, the final thing that the, the case file deck will have you set up are the triggers, which we talked about a little bit earlier. And those are placed on the, the Doom Track and are basically specific points where if the Doom Track gets to them, uh, it tells you to reference another card in the case file deck and, and that will trigger some terrible thing happening. So you want to avoid that whenever possible. And sorry, going back to that Doom track, I mean, I, I'd assume just based off of what I know about Hellboy, it's because when you're investigating something like it's an evil scheme or some sort of arcane ritual that someone's doing, and that's what's represented in this, or exactly. releasing Cthulhu's uh, and everything stuff. Everything is really tied to the, the uh, what is it called, the, the Agdu Jihad. And those are the the old ones that are trying to come back into uh, the Earth and, and take it over. And so... Basically, the Doom Track is signifying their, their growing power, and you want to avoid that if at all possible, because all of the cases are basically their schemes and trying to trying to force uh, force their ability to come back. Okay, okay. Now, the cool thing about it is there's a secondary track right under the Doom Track uh, called the Investigation Track, and basically that is uh, triggered by different actions that you take on the board, 
And getting those tokens uh, for investigating is one way to advance that. And the more you investigate, the more you learn about uh, potential threats and and what is going on. And it's a nice way to kind of balance out that Doom track. So you're, you're constantly building the, the positive and the negative tracks. Now, one of the things that the Hellboy game does in a very interesting way is uh, how it chooses who the AI is going to attack. Now, every creature has a creature card that comes out during the setup and um, gets placed down, and that gives you rules for that creature. It gives them all the stats, and it also tells you how they behave. Uh, There's a couple different types of creatures. Each of them has a a, a base behavior of what to do if they're not sharing a space with a a good guy. And if they are sharing a space with a good guy, it also determines what kind of attack that they're going to make. If you're in a situation where there's multiple good guys on one space, then there's a target priority track that um, tracks how much attention has been brought forward by any one of the human characters. Human, air quotes. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the player characters. The BRPD guys, yeah. Exactly. So as you're going through, taking different actions, killing certain enemies, etc., might make you a higher priority target. The targets are represented by, by different circles that are each a color of the, the individual agent. And as you um, gain more attention, you travel down that track. And if you happen to be at the bottom, that means you're the most targeted person on the board. So when enemies are faced with a situation where they have to do a melee attack, they're going to choose you. So that's the basic kind of mechanics going on in the background. And everything is going to come back to a skill check because the the skill checks are what you use to uh, determine combat, determine investigation, and determine a lot of uh, the different things that are occurring in the different card decks as they come out, especially the Doom track. Now, what's cool is all the heroes are asymmetrical. They all have unique actions, things that are unique to themselves, and a unique amount of health at the bottom. And the health system is one of the things that's particularly interesting, because as you take damage, you take uh, random chits out of a bag, and these chits are placed face down very intentionally. Because if you fill up your uh, health bar with these chits, which indicates bumps and bruises and scrapes, then you get a second run through the health bar. But this time, you're starting to flip those chits over. And under the chits are negative status effects. So, for instance, uh, Hellboy might flip one of his damage tokens over, and there will be the ranged uh, icon, which means that one of your dice is going to get downgraded, showing that you're getting weaker from all the, the damage you're taking. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's yeah, the health. Okay. Uh, everybody gets a, a little bit of starting equipment. Everybody has unique actions that are specific to them. Sometimes, like Abe Sapien can move three spaces instead of two spaces when you take a move action. Hellboy is a natural. Um, he's been at it for a long time, right? So he has an ability that basically says, seen it before. And when you're investigating, you get a free upgrade on your dice. So it does take into account the, the various heroes and what they're good at. Uh, who are the heroes, by the way? So in the base set, you get Hellboy, you get Abe Sapien, you get uh, Liz Sherman, and you get Johan Krauser. Which one's Johan? Uh, he's the ghost that's trapped in the suit. Oh. And he can open up his fingertips and he can leak out of the suit and go do stuff and then come back. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So how is the rule book hold up? The rule book's great. It's very, very straightforward. You actually get two rule books in the game. You get one that is a tutorial that has you set up that first mission and run through it. Um, when you run through it, it basically says, here's what's happening and here's what the dice results are so that you can see very specific effects and how they how they, they, they roll out. Once you get through, through the tutorial, you can start referencing the full uh, the rule book and getting all the, the crunch in the middle, uh, which is not to say there's a ton of crunch, but there is some. All right. So I'm looking over this Kickstarter and uh, which is why I've been a little distracted because minis. 
So pretty, so pretty. And they're so good. Mantic's sculptures are amazing. So I'm seeing uh, some of them are resin. Like, those were some of the Kickstarter goals. But uh, I'm assuming in the base set they're all plastic. Yeah, so if you're playing with the base game uh, and there's a retail version available, uh, you're going to get plastic minis. And what comes in the box? Okay, so what's in the box? You get a bunch of different tokens, of course, to track stuff. Um, Wound tokens, action tokens, etc. Mm-hmm. You get uh, colored base snaps for the heroes, which tie into them. For instance, Hellboy's base snap is red, uh, and everything about Hellboy's is red, so that uh, you know his location on the threat tracker is tracked with a red circle, etc. It's, it's, it's all coordinated, which is great. You get three bosses. You get a large frog monster, Saduhem and Rasputin, and then you get 18 minions, which is 12 frog monsters and 6 frog swarms. You get 13 dice and then a metric ton of cards building up all these different decks. And the base game comes with six case files. Frogmen sounds so gross. <laughs> uh, dude, some of the variants of the frogmen are truly disturbing. <laughs> like there's a venomous frogman, there's a transforming frogman. I need to read me more Hellboy. Okay. Hellboy's freaking great. I think you'd love it. I really I, 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 I've read a couple of them uh, back when the shop was open, though. I haven't read them recently. All right. And then uh, so in the expansions, I'm seeing there's like a lot of extra minis. Are any of those going to see retail, you think? Or I don't know. I don't know what uh, Mantic's plans are, but there's also a bunch of expansions coming. You've explained a lot about what you like about this game. Is there any misses or rules, problems or anything worth mentioning? No, I mean, like, here's the thing. You can tell the legacy of the game because uh, there's there's a lot of aspects of this that feel like an old GW game. Skill checks with six-sided dice. That's an interesting comparison. Okay, cool. <laughs> but I, I say that in a good way. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's exciting. The skill checks are great. And and that is the legacy because the the uh, one of the designers is James Hewitt who who formerly worked for uh, for Games Workshop, so it, it, it's got this very distinct Games Workshop feel with lots of lots of D six dice chucking, lots of skill checks, but there's a lot of aspects of it that are distinctly new and and many of them, if not all of them, are always leaning towards the thematic notion of the game. Uh, for instance, a lot of the attacks that the bosses do do things like. Uh, picking you up and throwing you, or picking you up and holding you, and it's it's exciting. It makes for real cinematic experiences you're playing, and and the best part about the game is all the map tiles, everything, uh, all the uh, the all the player information, all the cards is just covered in art from the comics, and it looks so good. It's just gorgeous, and you're just marinating in Hellboy culture in, in every way, shape, and form. Yeah, I was looking at some of the uh, the map tiles that they had on the Kickstarter, which weren't final at the time. But yeah, they looked like Magnolia art, which was kind of cool. Yeah, it's great. Deep shadows everywhere you look. All, all the stuff you've, you've learned to love about Hellboy. All right, so how many players would you say this game works best at? I'm, I'm assuming since it's an adventure game, you, you just want all four of the heroes, ideally. Well, the, the game comes with rules for having two, three, or four heroes in any given uh, scenario. That being said, I, I don't see any reason with any adventure game not to play with the full four heroes. It's the best, you know? And, and it's, it's not like Hellboy was often alone. Hellboy always had other BPRD agents with him. It's fun. If you're playing alone, play with four heroes. If you're playing with two players, each of you play with two heroes. There's no reason not to take all four. But that said, the rulebook does give you all the balances needed for attacking this with less than four players if you want. Yeah, I think to wrap it all up, um, and mind you, it's very early in the year, but Hellboy is my favorite experience of the year so far. 
And not just because I'm a huge Hellboy fan, but because the, the game tells such rich stories. And it's it's got just the amount of rules to, to feel like it's got some good crunch for the, the board gamer in me, but to not be overwhelming. Like, the core of the game is actually very, very simple. It's just a couple phases. Yeah, so Hellboy the board game is a, a huge recommend for me. I cannot say enough nice things about it. I, I'm having just a ton of fun with it. Well, I think that brings us to an end. Ah, I need to go rest Anything my... Else? No, I think we're good. I just need to go rest my cheek. It hurts. What did you do? I, I, when I was chewing on my balls, I, uh, <laughs> I bit my cheek. It hurts. Take care when chewing on your balls. What can I say? <laughs> well, on that bombshell, I think we'll bring this episode, distinctly the most PG-13 episode perhaps we've ever made, to a close. I think this might be 80s PG. <laughs> I think we officially crossed that line. Join us again in a fortnight when we come back to talk about more of all this fun board game goodies. And uh, as always, thank you to our patrons over at Patreon. Uh, You're helping us keep the magic alive. And if you'd like to become a patron over at Patreon, go on over to patreon.com slash forgotmydice. What's going on on the Facebook page, Robert? Comments? No, actually, everybody's been really (laughs) radio silent lately. I don't know why. Ah, It's a weird time of the year. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about it. All right. Well, as always, this brings us to a close of another Forgot My Dice episode. And with that, there really is only one last thing to do, Robert. Hmm. Tell us your closing thoughts. No, my cheek hurts. I want to go to bed. (laughs) I bit my cheek. It hurts, Robin. Ow. On that pathetic (laughs) note, party on, Robert. Party on, Jonathan. You know what? No. No. Here's my final thought. I know we were so close. We, We... we need to round this out. We need to start doing something that I think needs to be said in these dark dystopian times. I think we need to do the whole quote starting now, Jonathan. I think we need to remind people to be excellent to one another. Yeah. You know what? I'm totally okay with that. Yeah. I was thinking about that earlier today. So, so, so do it right, Jonathan. Do it right. I, I believe it's Abraham Lincoln that says it, is it not? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Four score. And seven minutes ago, we, your forefathers, were brought forth upon a most excellent adventure conceived by our new friends, Bill and Ted. These two great gentlemen are dedicated to a proposition which was true in my time, just as it's true today. Be excellent to each other. Party on, Robert. Party on, Jonathan. I feel like I really need that. One not made by an open sword man. <laughs> Due to chewing on balls. That's what you get for making the PG-13 jokes, man. It comes back to haunt you. Just when you thought you got it, the balls pulled you back in. Oh, man. I'm tired. Alright, I'm gonna hit stop now. The music you heard in this podcast was intro by Elifiel. Additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you 